0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. My name is Scott Chaloner and you join us on a cloudy day here in the capital as once again we bring together a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. A little later on in today's show we'll be joined by former England cricket captain Sir Andrew Strauss, but first and foremost I'm delighted to have Alex O'Neill alongside me. Alex is the Operations Director at Embark Learning, a professional training coaching company based in Sutton Coalfield in the West Midlands. The company specialises in healthcare courses and qualifications as well as social care training courses as well. Um, Alex, very warm welcome to you today and thank you ever so much for joining us this afternoon.
1: My problem.
0: That's a big it's a real pleasure having you with us. The um, whole reason we're here, of course, is to discuss leadership and really bring that into focus. And considering that today's generation of business leaders, I think it's fair to say is going through one of the greatest challenges of our time in the shape of COVID-19, I feel it would be remiss of me to begin with not to ask you just to what extent the pandemic has affected you and your business operations thus far. Yeah, sure. Um,
1: well, as you say, it's uh, you've got to step away from Sort of hitting too many cliches about um, unprecedented times and the like, but uh, yeah, it's 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 been an interesting time for sure. Um, it's it's given us a lot of lessons. I think hindsight will be a very valuable tool moving forward. Um, but you know, for all of the challenges, there are and have been some unbelievable opportunities as well. So it's how you embrace the difficulties and challenges really, and, and pick your way through the uh, through the problems.
0: And thinking about some of the things that you have learned from this experience of crisis management, let's call it that. If we are going to sort of look at a silver lining of all of this, what are some of the things that you'd say you have learned from this?
1: Well, uh, I think the adaptability, from a, a personal perspective, in terms of our business and our operation. Um, I think the the flexibility of the team and the staff, the innovation, uh, the ability to adapt to change when needs must. Um, personally, I think I've found it quite interesting to watch the team develop and cope with the uh, issues that they've had. Um, when you consider that most organisations have difficulty when they are trying to manage change because people typically don't like it, uh, being forced into that corner as we were, um, people responded. And I think the level of leadership from top to bottom, uh, the interaction, the cooperation, the ability to meet the challenges was was fantastic um embracing it from being a business that very much deal in the world of face-to-face hands-on teaching uh within the health and social care sector to have that pretty much closed down overnight um was significant um there were a few sort of hair-raising moments um but we've become very accustomed with that thing called zoom um, our delivery models have all moved online mm. we've adapted products such as Google's learning platform um, and we literally at the flip of a coin turned everything onto a fully deliverable online model within something like 72 hours it was incredible um, and to see the team in full action doing all of that whilst they were also watching the news and having their own personal worries about what was going to happen and what was Picking off all over the world was just you know staggering really, so moving forward, um, we've come through the worst of that over the last six months, and uh, being frank about it if we can deal with that, we can pretty much deal with anything. so still the for me is that I do know we've got a very robust uh, very innovative and uh, very forward thinking group of individuals that have helped us to get through it all
0: and they do say don't they that you sort of learn more about yourself and your business when the chips are down and when then when things are going well and people really have during this period stood up and been counted and people have had a lot to of credit to give to uh, their teams in the business world because they've been so vital in just going that extra mile getting their heads down and just keeping things ticking over during this time
1: massively yeah absolutely and as like you say you know sing when you're winning um it's all and good to be successful and to give everybody pats on the back. Um but for us, uh we had the situation of so many so many things. Um things like furlough, <laughs> these words that we didn't even know existed sort of six months ago. Zoom meetings, Microsoft Teams, et cetera. Um and for a for a group of people, for a team to to be able to adapt to those significant worries, uh in a world of, you know, effectively fear in terms of the news, twenty-four-seven around the clock, constantly scaring people. There was lockdown, streets were quiet and empty. Colleges were closed. Job centres were closed. Those are all key areas for the operation of our business day to day. We work with the health and social care sector, and there was the huge strains and issues within that uh, service. So, across the board, we couldn't have created a more perfect storm for ourselves if mm. uh, we're being totally honest. Um, but as I say, they stepped up, pulled together, and um, we've shown collectively as a group of people what we can do. Um, and my bit for all of it uh, was probably the easiest in terms of trying just to keep a calm head, um, trying to keep a sense of perspective, mm. uh, stop the panic, reassure people, and as I said, just constantly reaffirming the significant opportunities that were out there for us to to uh, strive for. And, um, what well, survival was the first, <laughs> and we, mm. we, we managed to do that. Um, it also then allowed us to really start stepping forward, to start looking forward, and the biggest challenge, if anything, is getting people now to start looking forward and not just keep looking back at the last six months.
0: Just how easy was it to sort of maintain a cool head with all of the chaos going on around you? And one of the reasons that I asked that question is because there are so many very worried people who've been looking to their business leaders and executives among all of the uncertainty for a bit of reassurance and a bit of direction. But when you're the one who is the decision maker at the top of the tree, almost running the business, um, as it were, you're in a leadership position and there isn't really anybody above you, as it were, to essentially refer to. I mean, you don't really sort of have that kind of fallback, do you? So you have to try and find inspiration from elsewhere as well.
1: Yeah, you do. I think for myself, I'm sort of naturally wired where give me a crisis and I'm absolutely okay. Give me somebody that's stuttering along in the shop, in a supermarket and has got no social awareness and is bumbling along and I can lose the plot. <laughs> so, <laughs> arguably, the bigger the crisis, the, the, the calmer and more secure in my own mind I am. Um, and I think when you are leading a team of people that, and you are responsible for making sure they're paid at the end of each month and you're responsible for the running of the business, you have to make sure that you've got a clear, simple head. And for me, uh, the mantra that we maintain in all of our operations across the board every day pandemic or not, everything is around keeping things simple, uh, not overcomplicating it, um, keeping our eyes on what our strategy is and what we're trying to achieve, and uh, just do it to the best of our ability. And as long as we keep doing that, um, no matter what is thrown at us from the outside, um, as long as we stay true to what we're trying to achieve and doing things for the right reasons and to the best standards, nothing really changes. Um when you go home as a a dad and as a husband and whatever else and you're watching the news and seeing what's happening and notifications to family and friends and others. um, Personally, um, I actually felt incredibly lucky throughout the process. Um, If I was running a pub or a restaurant and there was no plan B, I would be in a a very difficult place. Um, For us, we, we remained as busy as ever. We just had to adapt to a different delivery model. So in a lot of ways, um, I wouldn't feel like a fraud for saying it was difficult and challenging. It really was, but we still had a business to operate so in so many ways we were blessed.
0: And thinking just about what changes are going to come about as a result of the uh, the lockdown period, what features of this last few months do you think could become a permanent fixture in the way that business operates in this country, particularly with regard to sustainability and working practices? Because there's been a great deal of debate about that since all of this, hasn't there?
1: Yeah, um, I think the, the, the obvious ones jump out in terms of flexible working, um, trusting uh, more sort of Dispersed workforce, people working from home, obviously um, not being tied to that sort of eight or five, nine to five uh, treadmill and commute. Um, so I think there's definitely there's definitely something from that, you know that will remain from there in terms of a flexible workforce, the reliance upon IT with regards to a cloud-based business, so that we can operate. Literally anywhere in the world, uh, as long as there's an internet signal. Um, the use of IT and technology with regards to reaching out to learners and to the sort of potential carers of the future that we do train and do work with to enable them to have a flexible mode of learning, so that you know they do not necessarily rely on being classroom based for all of their programs. Um, so there are a number of areas that we will that we've had to be forced into adopting and using and we've come out the other side and we've seen some absolute definite benefits which we'll undoubtedly carry on
0: with. And thinking about what the next 12 to 18 months might bring very specifically for yourself and for Embark Learning, we know that we're going to have to adjust during this time to the new normal way of living and working, but what is it that you really hope to achieve as a business during this time?
1: Yeah, well, we're just going to... There's two things that will come out of this. Um, Interestingly, in around about this sort of April-May time, when we were right in the throes of the sort of deepest darkest days of the chaos, um, we made a decision back then that we needed to try and catch a snapshot of where we were and what was going on. And we commissioned uh, ourselves to produce a book, um, a, a book of stories of every single person within our business including those that work out in the field within care homes, uh, our care staff, some of our nurses, and all of our logistical sort of head office teams. And everybody produced their own individual personal story of the crisis, as it were, and how it's played out for them personally and professionally. Um, And in terms of a snapshot of the moment in time, there's some really powerful stuff in there that we think will be a wonderful diary for everybody in the future. So... We're just due to get that uh, particular project published over the next two to three weeks, uh, which we think will be, as I said, a wonderful sort of bookmark.
0: That was Alex O'Neill speaking, Operations Director at Embark Learning in Sutton Coldfield, West Midlands. I hope you all enjoyed the interview and of course learning more about how the whole team at Embark Learning is continuing to strive and raise standards even throughout this most challenging time. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with former England cricket captain Sir Andrew Strauss. Since retiring from playing, Sir Andrew has become the Director of Cricket for the England and Wales Cricket board. However, during his playing days, he joined an illustrious club of just three England captains to have secured the ashes both at home and away in Australia. He also racked up the second highest number of Test victories for an England skipper in history. I hope that you all enjoyed listening just as much as my colleague Jonathan relished the opportunity to speak with Sir Andrew. And all of that is, of course, coming up next.
2: Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan White, and today we are joined by Sir Andrew Strauss, former captain of the England cricket team and former director of cricket at the ECB so Andrew thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Real pleasure to be here.
2: Thank you. Uh, it, the pleasure is all of ours. You know, Andrew you've had a distinguished career as I said both on and off the pitch in English cricket recognized not least with your knighthood for services to sport just last year. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. Um now there have been ups and downs in the career like any career including public and private disagreements with certain individuals. And on that front, I think what everybody wants to know, have you finally forgiven Marcus Drescothic for giving you that stupid Lord Brockett nickname?
3: <laughs> um, well, m- my recollection was that it wasn't Marcus Dreskothic who gave me that nickname. Ah. It was actually Mark Butcher. Uh, He's but to blame. You know, I think there were a lot of people. It was the senior England teams at, the mo- mm. at that time who wanted to sort of put me in my place biggest sort of poison chalice of all time and the you know (laughs) sort of a litany of england captains had sort of been churned up by the job prior to me taking over so there was that sort of realization this is going to be a tough thing to do um you're gonna have to dig pretty deep but i think actually the most important thing was sort of just pushing all that noise to one side and just clarifying okay if i'm going to do this job you know, if and when that happens, that that should be a problem for a leadership. And if it isn't a problem, then you're not doing your but job. Properly. Absolutely.
2: Um, And with, with all that in mind, actually, uh, and perhaps this is a bit of a mean question, but what advice would you give to others in a similar position, leading a team, um, being looked up to? What would be the key advice you'd give to them and that you couldn't really do without it?
3: world cup final was quite extraordinary
2: i know some fantastically avid cricket fans who were googling there and then what exactly the rules became because i yeah well so was, <laughs> was I, I actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely um now and you in your in your wife's memory you established the ruth strauss foundation last year uh, in doing so whether you'd admit it or not yourself and the foundation has become an inspiration to thousands husbands and wives mothers and fathers sons and daughters please do take some time if you wouldn't mind and you